Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He died for your sins so that you would live righteously. I wrote it down like this. He suffered for our sins, so we should avoid getting into situations where we have to suffer for them too. Since he died for them, we should die to them and live for righteousness. If he died for them, then stay away from them. What is the point and what is the sense in suffering again for something that was suffered for already? Good point. You ever think of it that way? Pastor James today implores us to live righteously and to stay away from sin. Jesus already suffered for our sins, so why would we want to suffer for them too? The penalty for a crime doesn't need to be satisfied twice. When we commit sin, we suffer. Sin hurts us. Praise God that the power of our sin has been broken. Jesus broke its power so that we could live in His righteousness. Let's thank Jesus for what He's done for us and live our lives in His purity and holiness. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. When you are at work representing Jesus, do us all a favor and represent him well. Please. Do not go, you know, guns blazing and all this stuff and you're pounding people over the head with your, you know, with your Bible and all that stuff. Treat them with dignity and respect. Actually live it out. Live it out. You will gain a greater audience if you just live it out. The Lord knows how to open doors within your conversations at the right time. And there's this thing called, you know, that we're talking about with vulnerability. I mean, you think that people are just going to like immediately receive everything that you have to say about their lives? You have to earn that. And oftentimes how we earn that is just showing up and being faithful stewards to what God has, has blessed us with. And sometimes that is a job. But we show up on time. We show up early. We stay as long as we need to. We go the extra mile, so to speak, because we represent him and we're there for our fellow employees however they need us to be there for them. And when tragedy strikes them and their families, and it will, who are they going to turn to? The one who's always been there for them. The one that's always been there for them. So he's like, be mindful of these things when you show up to work. You don't get credit for being beaten for doing wrong, okay? That's just, that doesn't work. And I think it's funny that he even has to say that, but he's got to say it because that's what we do. Woe is me. All right, he goes on. But if you suffer for doing good, same verse, verse 20. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. So you keep showing up. You're a good employee. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're not a problem, so to speak. But they keep picking on you because you are a Christian. Just endure it patiently. God is taking note of that. He is taking note of that. The book of Romans talks about not seeking out revenge. Let God come to your defense. Let him be your defense. So even in the workplace environment, if you are being 
targeted because of your Christian viewpoints and your worldview and your allegiance to Jesus, let the Lord be your defense. Do not seek revenge. The Lord knows how to take care of you. Sometimes even in that taking care of you will not even be here, but it will be there when you show up to heaven. He's like, you know what? Thank you so much for sticking it out. I want to introduce you to some people that you weren't aware of it, but they were watching you every Monday through Friday when you showed up to work and they watched how you handled that abuse that was being handed out to you because of your belief in me. I want you to meet these people who came to know me because of your witness. Patiently endure. Patiently endure. Just trying to see the big picture, right? Just always trying to see the big picture. We want right suffering, not wrong suffering, but right suffering. And then let's look at the example that he gives to us, okay? So we got the submission versus subjugation thing, and we're called to submit and not to be subject to in the sense of losing our individuality or anything like that, but we're submitting to them and recognizing that we are probably where we're at, hopefully, because that's God's will for our lives. Verse 21 says, he called you for he called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is our example and you must follow in his steps. So he throws it out there. Here's what you're supposed to do. And then he does this beautiful thing where he says, now here's your model. Here's your example. This is how you ought to live. And the example that he gives us is that of Jesus. And there's no greater example. There is no greater example. And so really the term here that he uses is this leaving you an example. It's a written copy. Okay. And back then, so you'd have scribes and, you know, these guys who are well-versed in, in writing. Okay. And so oftentimes you'd have like a little apprentice be with you and you have to teach them how to write the right way. All right. I don't know if you remember, but writing doesn't come naturally for any of us. And some of us still haven't even caught on to the concept, right? <laughs> like, we're like, what does this say? Um, not, you know who you are. I don't know. Um, no, but what they would do is really brilliant. They would have like a, a sheet here with words written on it, and they'd put a, another sheet on top of that, and that this is how they learned to write. I love art. I love drawing. The way I learned how to draw was I'd take a piece of art and I'd take a, a tracing sheet and I'd put it over this artwork. And then the way I learned to draw was I would trace what was already created. My kids do the same thing now. They're getting into art. And so how I encourage them as like get tracing sheets. You're not cheating the system. You're learning and you're by whoever this artist was, you're kind of modeling what they had already set in place. That is exactly the picture that Peter is painting here within this example from Jesus. He's already done it. And now we just want to model or trace what he did. Verse 23, it says, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. You're like, can you speed up past this part? Because I don't like this. Um, no, let me read it again then. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Oh, that's hard. Nor threatened revenge when he suffered. That's hard. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. 
He personally, here's where it gets very heavy, he personally carried our sins. He personally carried our sins. He did no wrong. We did all the wrong. And he took all our baggage upon himself. So that we can be what? Well, he carried it, our sins in his body on the cross. Going back to the cross and him taking my sins, just being poured out onto him while he's pinned to this cross. And the whole time they're screaming insults at him and they're spitting on him and they're pulling out pieces of his beard and they're just, they're humiliating him. And he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. But he did that, verse 24, the rest of it, so that we can be dead to sin. He died on the cross so that we would die to our sins. Second part, and live for what is right. He died for our sins so that we could die to our sins in order to live for righteousness. So it doesn't just end with him dying for your sins. He died for your sins so that you would live righteously. I wrote it down like this. He suffered for our sins, so we should avoid getting into situations where we have to suffer for them too. Since he died for them, we should die to them and live for righteousness. If he died for them, then stay away from them. What is the point and what is the sense in suffering again for something that was suffered for already? And I get it. Let me just relieve some pressure from you. Sin is going to be a battle for the rest of your life. You will fall down. You will make mistakes. You will miss the mark. You will. But sin doesn't have to own you like it used to. It has no power over you. It has no power over you. It's been broken by him. So we need to realize this. We need to tap into that, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus from his death, burial, and resurrection, and the fact that the Holy Spirit resides in us. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have power. You have victory. And it's found in Jesus Christ. Not your self-determination. Not your stubbornness. In Christ Jesus is where you find hope, new life, freedom, victory, you name it. And he did it so that we could live for what is right. That's so beautiful. Uh, I wrote this quote down. Um, unfortunately, I didn't write who, who said it. So um, uh, don't copyright issue me, please. Um, I'll find it, I, I'm sure. Uh, it says, he, Jesus, was wondrously free from the lust of self-vindication. I'm going to read that again, okay? Concerning him being insulted, being abused, being mocked, he, Jesus, was wondrously free from the lust of self-vindication. He took it all on for our sake. It's amazing. Hard, hard example. But look how, how much more personal and how much more intimate this gets here. It says, by his wounds, by his wounds, you are, are, past tense, you are healed, okay? 
Um, I'm going to clarify a little bit more on that in just a second, but finish out in verse 25. Once, once, past tense, you were like sheep who wandered away. But now, present tense, but now you have turned to your shepherd, who is Jesus, the guardian of your soul. Your guardian of your souls, right? So he did everything for us. He was the perfect sacrifice. And I love how this is all framed within submit to your boss, right? We lose sight of that, right? Because we get into these deep waters and you're just like, this is so good. This is so good. Yeah, like how you took all my sins on the cross and all that stuff. Yeah, but you remember that the context is submit to your boss. Submit to your boss. Well, good boss, bad boss, doesn't matter. Be like Jesus. Be like Christ. In the midst of your suffering or in the midst of your injustice or, or whatever it may be, be like Christ. Seek to be like Christ. Why? Because he died for you. Because he took all your sins and you have sins. Spoiler alert. I don't mean to burst your bubble or whatever, but you're a sinner. All right? I know it's not popular. I don't care about popularity right now. I care about truth. We are sinners. Hopefully sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If not, we can fix that today. Because maybe the Holy Spirit is just tugging on your heart saying like, no, this is what you need. So he did all this for us, and, it, and I love this. He, he frames the rest of this out. There's a lot of references here found in Isaiah chapter 53. I will turn there in a second to read that whole chapter. But he says, it's by his wounds you are healed. This healing, okay, so this is where some people get a little bit out of context, okay? Does this refer to physical healing? It can, but it's not in the context. So let's be good Bible students and keep everything within context. What healing is this talking about? Salvation of your soul. I don't want to sound crass with this, but your physical healing is not top priority. Your spiritual salvation healing is utmost. It is top priority. He cares about your physical needs. He absolutely does. And he still is the great physician. He still can heal anything and anyone. But there are other needs beyond the physical. What about your emotional? We don't like to talk about that too much, though, do we? But we all have emotional damage, I'm sure, that we need to be healed from. He's willing to do that. And it's by, it says stripes as in plural, but technically in the Greek, it's a singular thing. So this physical abuse that he suffered on behalf of us, that brings healing. And first and foremost, it is healing of your soul. It is healing of your soul. And I've prayed this prayer before when I've had some physical things going on, and I don't think God was like, look, I'm not listening to you anymore because you're taking it out of context, okay? He's such a good and loving God. I think he knows how to meet us where we're at, and even in our ignorance sometimes of context. But I do want to make sure that we know this is talking about salvation first and foremost. You can quote this in your prayer for somebody who needs a physical healing. I believe that's applicable, but it's not the priority within the context of the text, okay? It is speaking of salvation. And our ultimate prayer for anyone and everyone is that they know Jesus. It's that they know Jesus, is that their, their old heart has been healed and made into a new heart. That's, that's where we want to be first and foremost. So with that, I'm going to have you turn over to Isaiah 53. That's in the Old Testament. You should know that. Isaiah 53. Like, but where in the Old Testament? Uh, right in the middle. See where mine is? It's right in the middle. Like, no, your, your Bible might be different. 
that's a dumb joke. Isaiah, major prophet, Isaiah, beautiful book, 66 chapters long, and it's really like the way that this thing is laid out um, is it's just absolutely just phenomenal. I encourage you to read through Isaiah. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's amazing. Isaiah 53, though, this is a phenomenal text. And it's short, and we'll read this whole thing. It says, who has believed our message? Verse 1. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in the dry ground. There is nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. This is speaking about Jesus, by the way. Like, wait a minute. Wait, he's, I'm sure Jesus was a beautiful man. Well, what it's saying is he had common appearance. He wasn't walking around with his head glowing with like a halo, right? Like we see in Renaissance paintings and all that stuff. He's just a normal guy. Just a normal guy, normal Middle Eastern man. He was born in, in Israel. We know that, right? Middle East. That's who he was. Probably like olive skinned, okay? Not white, European, but uh, he is Middle Eastern, all right? Just want to make sure we know that. Nothing to attract us to him outwardly. It says he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief, We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He never deceived anyone. He was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. It will give him the the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. Can you believe that that was written way back then and then Jesus showed up and it's like, you can't get a better description of Jesus than that thing. Beautiful, beautiful chapter from Isaiah. And and Peter is, he's been referencing that all through chapter two and he's just letting us know like, guys, he's our example. And here is why he's our example. In this thing that I'm asking you to do that is very difficult and very challenging, I want you to understand, you keep your eyes on him who did it for you. 
He's our example. When it gets difficult, you look to Jesus. And when you show up to work, and yeah, you may have a difficult boss to work with, maybe with even in your household, there's difficulties there. You be the witness that represents Christ in everything that you do for the sake of somebody's soul. I'm going to close it out with this little illustration, this true story about a father. Uh, a husband and wife gave, wife gave birth to, the, to a son. Um, the son ended up getting polio, had remained in a, a crippled state for the rest of his life. When his son got polio, the dad uh, became angry with God, became angry with God, and then that led to him drinking, and then that led to alcoholism, and then that led to abusing his son and his wife. And then something happened in his family. His son and his wife started going to church, and they get saved. They get saved. They meet Jesus. Jesus saves their soul. But they still live in that house. And dad's still abusive. And dad is still abusing them. But there was one day when, when dad was, was being abusive to the son that the son replied to him, I love you. I love you. I love you because, and God loves you, dad. And this messed this guy up. He would continue to abuse his son and would continue to abuse his wife but their responses to his abuse and their reactions to his abuse had changed totally. And the Holy Spirit began speaking to his heart. And he, what he couldn't shake, what he couldn't get out of, his, out of his heart and out of his mind was his son who was crippled. And it's not of his fault at all. Replying back to him in that one moment, I love you and God loves you. And having to be submissive within that household, this beautiful wife can you continued to show up and she continued to do whatever. And now this isn't me speaking to what any physical violent situation or anything. like. I have a whole other message for that. Seek safety, all that good stuff. But I'm just using their very real story, though. And the witness between, from the mom and the son ended up causing that dad to surrender his life to Jesus. And he got saved. And he got saved. Look, again, I'm not saying that you should stick around an abusive situation at all. I'm not saying that at all. In this story... This wife and this son chose to stay, and they said, you know what? We will represent Christ to our dad and to our husband. It was how they handled everything that ultimately won him over. And so I use that illustration as hopefully somewhat of an encouragement for you where you find yourself today. Maybe you do have a bad boss. Maybe you do. But maybe God has you there because he wants to use your example to win his soul to his kingdom. I don't know. I don't know. And it's not always black and white like that. I wish it was, but it's not always black and white like that. But what I do want to encourage us is where you're at, maybe employment-wise, you, hopefully you're where you feel like the Lord has called you to be, then submit under the authorities that are there and serve as a good representative of Jesus Christ. Everything that you do, whether you eat, sleep, drink, whatever you do, do all for the, for the name of the Lord, for the glory of the God, okay? Because who knows what the Lord's plan is? Who knows what the Lord's plan is? And I will side note it, that if it's a criminal environment, get away from that, right? You don't need to be a part of that. If it's an abusive environment in the sense, you have freedom to, let's find you somewhere else that's safer to be, okay? If your boss is just hard on you, you keep showing up. You represent Jesus, represent the Lord there. Remember, Jesus set that example, and we're just trying to trace the image that he already created. 
Don't you find it interesting that some of the most inspiring stories involve the main character suffering and possibly even dying for the sake of the cause? This theme is interwoven into mankind because it's inspired by Jesus himself. He suffered unjustly at the hands of cruel and sinful men, but the story didn't end with suffering and death. Although the final chapter of this life typically ends with suffering and death, the life beyond earthly existence is something that's worth taking risks and even suffering for. Living the Christian life is risky. It involves dying to yourself and being willing to take the heat from those that don't want to hear the message. If you're just tuning into this message and would like a little more backstory to the book of 1 Peter, we encourage you to go to our website, breadforthebroken.com, and take a look at the additional messages. As you browse our website, you'll also find an easy way to donate to this ministry if God leads you to do so. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. Once more, you can find out all the details of service times and location at our website, breadforthebroken.com. If you're not in the area, then you can join us on our live stream. We live stream on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Here on Bread for the Broken, our mission is to find hope and new life in Jesus. We trust that what you're hearing on this radio ministry is uplifting to your soul, reminding you that your new life starts with Jesus. Leave a marker in your Bible where we've left off and come back again for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.